Hello and welcome to this episode of Irreligiosophy, the one true podcast, and the only podcast to be convicted of spiritually pinching you in the butt. Which is leave. Name that movie. All right. <laughs> that would be the specter of this podcast, pinching you in the butt. That's what we do. We like butts and we like pinching. At least our ghosts do. Yes. Well, I had to get help from Satan to do that. Speaking of Satan, shall oh, yeah? we go over iTunes reviews? Yes. Is there one by Satan? <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. All of the positive iTunes reviews are by Satan. I think he's uh, our biggest fan. I love these guys. They increase my fold. That was my Satan voice. That was your... (laughs) (laughs) It's like a guy at the end of the lunch counter. Hey. (laughs) I thought we had a sudden unexpected guest on the show. (laughs) Acting. The One True Podcast, five star by Spin Cycle. This is Irreligiosophy, the One True Podcast, the only one which I occasionally have to pause during work because it's just too funny. Yes, how about this one? Superb show, five stars by Plaid23. This odd combination of crude humor, sharp wit, and thoughtful insight into atheism, skepticism, and related issues may sound like an odd combination, if not contradictory, but Matt and Chuck make it work. I find them equally smart and funny. I find that offensive. Oh, that's that's totally true. This guys he knows what he's talking about. Equally smart and funny? Equally. <laughs> Worth subscribing on par with reasonable doubts, five stars, by Hot Dog Bun. Woo! This is a well-researched and entertaining, quote, atheist podcast that I've only <laughs> recently discovered. Why is that in quotes? Because we're scary. What the? the scare quotes. But well-researched, I find that offensive. We're, <laughs> we're like fake atheists. Right. Fake theists. Podcast seems to be focused primarily on criticism of specific books, authors, religious texts, and apologetics, with some current topical overview at the beginning. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I think that's because we did, like, fucking four podcasts on what is truth and four more on C.S. Lewis. Whew, whose idea was that? <laughs> Not me. After listening to s- several pack episodes, I was thankful to find the show didn't get bogged down with too much of the pseudo-celebrity manufactured drama surrounding unrelated off-topic issues that have become the time-wasting focal point of the skeptic and atheist movements. Movements are in quotes there. <laughs> the hell? Over uh, the last couple of bowel, bowel movement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, didn't we get bogged down a little bit? I know I caught a lot of shit for it. I got a yep. ton of emails. You pseudo celebrity. How many minutes does a pseudo celebrity get of fame? They get hours. Pseudo celebrities get hours of fame. Andy Warhol said that once. What do you think he's talking about? Maybe was it the penis issue? I think yeah, it was a circumcision. <laughs> it's related to penises somehow. <laughs> Twenty minutes of circumcision. <laughs> we didn't get bogged up in any feminist issues. We just talked about circumcision for fucking ever. Yeah. Although I like to point out feminist issues, they're really all our issues. They're everybody's issues, Chuck. No, they're just ugly women's issues. Oh, yeah. You're going to get bogged down in some drama. <laughs> Shit. I think I'll edit that one out. <laughs> oh, baby, that's gold. Leave it in. <laughs> oh, shit. Finally, the... F- Last review, most bestest, Yay. five stars by Oracle in Exile. Something about me. Irreligiosophy is a fantastic podcast, hilarious, informative, and engaging. Chuck does great research, and his medical background makes for a great foundation in science. 
Man, that is an awesome review. Let's move on yeah. to Skunk Dicks. Wait! Stop! Continue. <laughs> Matt, the new co-host, is very funny and contributes admirably. Oh. And messy. <laughs> That's right. I uh, contribute admirably. I, Although that sounds a little condescending, but I'll take it. I am tiring of these pro-Matt reviews. <laughs> I had abstained from reviewing the show earlier because I didn't really care for the old co-host. Too many dick jokes and misogyny from him. Matt, you're so much more pleasant to listen to, even if it's a full five minutes of penis. And it's in quotes. Why is penis in quotes? It's a quote, capital P, penis. Penis. Penis should always be capitalized. (laughs) Everybody knows that. No more dick jokes. It's all penis from here on out. That's right. Well, those went great for me. What do you... (laughs) What do you say about some skunk dicks? I've got a couple of candidates in mind. Let's hear them. Number one is a collection of quotes from uh, Pat Robertson, one of my favorite televangelists. Yay, Pat Robertson. I bet they're all like good things. Well, let me read some of these to you to give you uh, some sort of flavor of the Pat Robertson we all know and love. You've got a couple of same-sex guys kissing. Do you like that? Well, that makes me want to throw up. To me, I would punch vomit, not like... But they don't give you that option on Facebook. You know, to his credit, sometimes I wouldn't mind a vomit option on Facebook. <laughs> he might be onto something here, Matt. Yeah. Let's have like, poke, and vomit. <laughs> 18 vomits. He hates that. He hates same sex guys because he's so much. He would punch vomit, he wouldn't just <laughs> click on it. He'd punch it. <laughs> on a man with an Alzheimer stricken wife, I know it sounds cruel. But if he's got to do something, he should divorce her and start all over again. But to make sure he, she has custodial care and somebody is looking after her. So that's nice. He throws it in a bone right there, Matt. Yeah. Uh, he asked, what about the till death do us part part of the marriage vows? Uh, he said, uh, Alzheimer's is a kind of death. <laughs> God. Maybe he'll get it one day. <laughs> it's, it's that Christian compassion. That's just shining through here. It is. So he's obviously not Mormon. <laughs> right? Because they're married... Uh, eternity. Eternity. Doesn't matter. Your your wife will have Alzheimer's for all eternity. You're stuck with her. Damn it. Oh, jeez. Does that translate into the next life? I'm sure it does. Yeah. <laughs> wake up on the other side with uh, terrible Alzheimer's. Oh, God. I'll still have zits when I'm dead. I know this is painful for the ladies to hear, but if you get married, you have accepted the headship of a man, your husband. Christ is the head of the household, and the husband is the head of the wife, and that's the way it is, period. <laughs> period. Oh, he likes something about head there. He's making a point for <laughs> You've accepted the headship of a man. <laughs> I know this is painful for ladies to hear. Oh, Oh, Lordy. Would you like to hear his thoughts on feminism? I should play some like nice little music in the background. Yeah, I am i can't wait to hear his thoughts on feminism. Nothing but glowing positivity, I'm sure. The feminist agenda is not about equal rights for women. It is about a socialist, anti-family political movement that encourages women to leave their husbands, kill their children, practice witchcraft, destroy capitalism, and become lesbians. What? Not, by the way, necessarily in that order. Oh, I was going to say, in that order, 
Usually they be- would work. They become lesbians, then practice witchcraft. Oh, then they kill their children. Then they kill their children. And finally destroy capitalism. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Somehow. Is that doing in there? And they ruined my casserole. (laughs) (laughs) Like blaming him for everything you can think of. Kill children and destroy capitalism. Uh, On homosexuality, uh, many of those people involved in Adolf Hitler were Satanists. Many were homosexuals. The two things seem to go together. (laughs) You got your Satanist in my homosexual, Chuck. The fuck? What about all the straight people that were involved yeah. in Adolf Hitler? Yeah, Pat. Many of those people involved in Adolf Hitler were straight, and many were Christian. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> those two things seem to go together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Skunk dick candidate number one, Pat fucking Robertson. Who do you got? I have right-wing preacher, Reformation Church pastor Kevin Swanson. Uh, he has condemned Star Trek Into Darkness. Have you seen it? Yes. Great fucking movie. Um. <laughs> Piece of shit movie. Fuck yeah. you, Abrams. Fuck you. It was still pretty. Come on, it was fun. He's got his own radio show. It's called Generations with Vision, which at first I thought was a mashup of the first Star Trek Next Generation movie with the android Vision from the comics. <laughs> the Avengers. <laughs> from the Avengers. That's right. He went on the Avengers. No, but um, he condemns Star Trek into darkness because it shows James Kirk in post-coital bed with members of the wrong species, <laughs> the cat girls. Listen, Mr. Pastor, the male species is typically the least sexually selective of gender. We will fuck a tree. Doesn't matter. That's right. If there's a hole, we'll stick our dick in it. And um, as Pat Robertson say, males have a tendency to wander a little bit. <laughs> And what you want to do is make a home so wonderful he doesn't want to wander. <laughs> That's the wife's job. Oh. Did you know that those two girls were uh, – they're from Utah. Really? Maybe they'll come on our show. The Orion awesome. slave women? Is that what they were? Um, no, no. The, not not in, in the darkness. They, these are like some kind of – I don't know, some sort of generic alien with like a – they're like cat girls. They had like a little tail. And, oh, I see. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what they were, but – well, Matt, that proves evolution. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Or maybe it does. Do you want to hear what he says about that? Yes, I do. Do I really want to take my kids to to watch a movie that that implicates the, the good guy in the film as, as uh, mating with the wrong species? But not just one, but two. Well, you know, I can understand that Christians would get upset if it was well, a male of a different species. No, actually, <laughs> actually, I, I'm not sure that yeah. the bestiality and the homosexuality yeah. Yeah, are yeah, yeah, yeah. really all that different. So, uh, Dave, I, I said to myself, we're not going to go see that movie. So, you know, you have to draw the line somewhere, don't you? I mean, and, and how many Christians asked that question? <laughs> I don't know. I actually did a survey. I mean, I went on to Google and kind of Googled, you know, Christian sites. I mean, I'm trying not to put the right, wrong kind of wording into the Google search because you do that, you could be in a heap of trouble. So I did a little search. Turns out there was a Catholic site. Had a little forum discussion on the, the issue. Of, of course they did. <laughs> of course they did. It's always, always with Catholic sites, there's always like a subsection on bestiality. Right, homosexual bestiality. Um, who's in? And nobody brought up Leviticus 18, Dave. And of course, the whole, the whole premise of this is that within... An evolutionary construct, there is no real problem with speciation 
and cross-species mating. There's no problem with that at all. In fact, that's how you evolve. That's how you get evolution. And so the, the end result, of course, is that evolution has no basic problem with bestiality or cross-species mating. Okay, now, some of you are saying, I can't believe these guys are saying this on this radio program. I can't believe I'm saying this either. They are going places where no man has gone before, before or should. Yeah. Or should, yeah. I, I like his finish. It's uh, clever. It's uh, like Star Trek. See? This guy should teach a fucking Evolution 101 class. He's a fucking oh Evolution genius. Isn't that awesome? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm stunned at his uh, in-depth knowledge of the theory of evolution. Yeah. Because, see, what happens is gorilla fucks a pig and out pops a human. That's how it moves forward, Matt. Cross-species mating, cross and that's species. where... There's no real problem in evolutionary theory with cross-species mating. As a matter of fact, that's how you evolve. A gorilla <laughs> fucks a pig, out pops a butterfly. <laughs> that's how it works. Oh, he was Googling bestiality. <laughs> <laughs> Purely for research reasons. You can get a heap of trouble for that, Chuck. Uh, he- I actually did a survey, and by doing a survey, I mean I typed shit into Google. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. All right, Matt, I got one. Okay. Judge dismisses Phantom Hand's defense. Jails Christian healer for groping victims. So this guy is a 70-year-old Christian pastor, George Boak. Uh, he had a bunch of women come to him for a spiritual healing, and uh, they uh, complained of being molested by him. So his uh, defense is, I quote this, from the healing you get all sorts of sensations. You could feel my hands inside you, and they might be two inches above the body. So <laughs> so there, uh, um, he's, uh, I think, the first, to my knowledge, claiming the phantom hands defense. So he's, he's, uh, healing them and moving his hands up and down their body, but sometimes they feel uh, a groping sensation where his hands actually are not, and that's the phantom hands. That's not me. That's just Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My hand's right here. Phantom hands. Boke accepted that he had sexually touched one woman, but claimed that he had responded to an invitation from her to be, quote, familiar. But he said he stopped immediately when the woman asked what he was doing. He says, I apologize because I realized I had misread the signs. You know, because like you do, you're healing someone with the power of Jesus and you uh, grow up their private parts. Right. Because because of the signs. Right. Because, you know, maybe they're flirting with you. It's possible. Sure. She came to him for cancer and also to feel her up. I'm sure. (laughs) I got low back pain and also I, yeah, I'd like your fingers in my vagina. When uh, Prosecutor Michael Smith insisted that his claims about Phantom Hands were a lie, Boke replied, no, it's not a lie. It's well-documented, Phantom Hands. Phantom Hands. It's well-documented. I'm going to look that up. (laughs) Phantom Hands. I thought that was when, like, you lose your hand and you feel like it's still there. Phantom limb pain. Uh, The woman described how Boke put his hands inside her bra during the alleged sexual assault last year. I dragged his hand out really quickly, but within seconds, he's got his hands down my leggings. Well, that's just phantom hands. She actually pulled his phantom hand out from beneath the bra, and then his other phantom hand was down the leggings. So so actually, the uh, phantom should be put on the sexual offender list, not this poor innocent preacher. Right. And who's the phantom? Isn't it Jesus? 
It Jeez. has to be Jesus. That's who he's using to heal. Gotta be right. Jesus. Who's the winner, Chuck? Who is the skunk? My kid? vote's for Pat fucking Robertson. My vote is also for Pat fucking Robertson. Well, it is unanimous. The skunk dick is the entire Indiana Republican Party. That's right. In what appears to be a rather massive violation of the freedom of religion, the Republican Party in Indiana has amended the state criminal code to either make it a crime or confirm that it remained a crime for clergy to conduct weddings for gay couples. Wasn't the whole... God... The whole fucking uh, outcry from the religious right was that the government was going to make a law to force these people, to force the preachers to marry gay people, and uh, it would be a massive violation of the separation of church and state. Uh, and, and here we have now the religious right massively violating separation of church and state by telling the preachers that if you marry gay people... Fuck you. It's a crime punishable for like uh, six months in jail and $1,000 if they got caught solemnizing a marriage of gay people. Yeah. And, you know, that's not even in the Constitution, Chuck, especially when it's inconvenient for them. <laughs> that separates the church and state. <laughs> you know, that only comes from a letter uh, Jefferson wrote. That's right. Fuck the First Amendment to the Constitution. It's Fuck just an all. amendment. It can't be as important <laughs> as the actual Constitution. Oh, Section 7, a person who knowingly solemnizes a marriage of individuals who are prohibited from marrying by IC 3111-1 commits a Class B misdemeanor, which is punishable by... A stern talking to. Yes, a slapping of the buttocks. <laughs> Six months jail time, fucker. Six months. Holy shit. 180 days Six in jail months. and a fine of $1,000. Oh boy! And you know, there's plenty of—not plenty, but there's some that uh, that permit gay nuptials, Reformed Judaism, uh, Lutherans, Episcopalians, and United Church of Christ. So fuck you from the Indiana God. Fuck you, Indiana. The whole fucking state. I hate you. <laughs> oh, I've been there. It's good people mostly. <laughs> Do we have any fans there? I want to get a good review from an Indiana fan. <laughs> I am censoring all future good reviews. <laughs> Shit. All right. Shall we finish our treatise on witchcraft, which Pat Robertson believes still exists? Yes. We're continuing with um, our coverage of the Salem witch trials, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Excellent. All right. After the Malleus, thousands of books were written on witchcraft. One um, such book was the Compendium Maleficarum, written by Francesco Maria Guazzo, published in 1608. So this is over 100 years after the Malleus. Uh, it has lots more details, um, you know, as the idea of witchcraft becomes popularized and people are adding more details to it. But let's go into it. Would you like to know how to become a witch, Matt? Oh, I do. I do want to know how. Number one, sign a pact with the devil. This is an agreement written in your own blood where you give your soul to the devil and promise to worship him as God in exchange for wealth, sex, power, revenge, whatever you want. You place it in a crossroad. So th these were thought in the Middle Ages to be frequented by devils. <laughs> crossroads. Crossroads? So you know how there are all these crosses placed at crossroads? Those are to uh -huh. keep the devils away from them. <laughs> uh. So the pact can be entered for a number of years or for your entire life. I'll just take a couple years. Uh, number two, the devil brands you with a mark. 
This is usually small in the form of a bat or a toad, usually found underneath the eyelid, in the armpit, or in the genitalia, so it's hidden away from common view. Isn't that nice of the devil to hide this stuff away? That is nice. Yeah, very thoughtful of Satan. Uh, similar to a birthmark, could also be a third nipple, <laughs> right? So you could suckle your incubus, feed your incubus. Um, in 1692 in Salem, a 60-year-old woman named Bridget Bishop was the first witch accused in the Salem witch trials. Witnesses testified they saw a third nipple, but five hours later when she was examined, it disappeared. So the disappearance of the nipple was further proof of the devil's involvement, and she was hanged as a witch. Oh, my God. Well done. Well done. (laughs) Nipple, no nipple. The marks are insensitive to pain and do not bleed when pierced with a needle. So this um, caused uh, a group of uh, people calling themselves the prickers. To, uh, <laughs> to arise. They, they carry around long needles to pot- test potential witches. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so if you prick the thing and it didn't bleed, like it's a ward or something, you prick it, it, prick it and didn't bleed, you're a witch. What a bunch of pricks. Jesus. They call themselves the pricker. I'm a pricker. They're specialists. Uh, number three, renounce your faith, denounce God, pay homage to Satan. Now, generally, this is done by kissing Satan in his fundament. In his what? Fundament. Fundament. This, That's what we call it. <laughs> th- this was his anus. So in the uh, compendium Malficarum, it says, The witches kiss the devil in his behind, while the devil emits a foul, fetid, and filthy wind. Nice. From the Bishop of Coventry, When the witches paid homage to Satan, Satan offered his back parts to be kissed by his vassals. They kiss, and I add, the fundament of the devil, and the devil (laughs) emits a filthy and foul air. So they kiss him, and he rips one in their face. Yeah. They're nice enough to kiss the devil and give him a rim job. While they're doing this, he farts right in their face. Well, he's just done shit all over them. By the way, this is proven fact, Matt. This is what happened. I believe it. I believe it, Chuck. Number four, the devil gives you a name. Then you cut a piece of hair or your clothing and give it to the devil so he has power over you. After this, you enter into the magic circle with a pentagram inside of it and become part of the uh, witch's coven or community. And this often happens at a nighttime dance called the Sabbat. Uh, and number five, you promise the devil to perform some sacrifice. Like why? I don't know. Kill like a, a baby. Like a goat or something? Or a goat or something. Uh, the Sabbat is a nocturnal gathering of witches. It's not related to the Jewish Sabbath, unfortunately. I knew you were probably going to say that. I was going, I was thinking that. But it's taken from a pagan deity uh, called Sabatius. He was similar to Bacchus or Dionysus. He's a, a pagan deity of, like, drink and dance. Um, the greatest Sabbat is Walpurgisnacht. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it, all this shit happens in Germany, right? there In... in um, Certain places, the witch craze went, you know, absolutely out of control. Other places, like I said, like Spain, are not uh, not all that terrible. Only five or six thousand people. That's nothing. Right. Anyway, in Germany, they said the greatest Sabbat was Walpurgisnacht, which took place on April 30th. This is the eve of May Day. Um, it marked the end of winter and the beginning of spring. So uh, people dress like goats. The devil sits on a large platform with the oldest witches, his favorite. They all have a great feast of food that is prepared without salt. You can't have salt because it's the symbol of eternity. So it's all bland? The devil selects, <laughs> right, like the fucking feast of unleavened bread. Right. It's all the fucking same. The devil selects some special witches and engages in dances with them and orgies. Woo! Artificial phalluses are used at the Sabbat. 
Oh, they're bringing out the dildos? Dildos, medieval dildos. Apparently the use of dildos um, is a big problem in the church from the Middle Ages because there are tons of church edicts that are issued against them. (laughs) (laughs) You did not use artificial phalluses. So they're apparently very afraid, one, of getting their penis stole from them, and two, that uh, their women will use dildos. Right. Well, it's it's like a replacement. It's 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 the dehumanizing. It's yeah. uh, these men emasculating. are emasculating. These men are massively insecure. Well, they wear giant robes and funny hats. And <laughs> to cover they got their, issues to cover their small phalluses. Right. Uh, let's see here. Animals like bats and toads are sacrificed at the sabbats. Oh, that's the sacrifice. Okay. Babies and small children are also sacrificed. Then they're baked into pies and eaten. Are they unbaptized babies? <laughs> I want you to keep in mind that it is the exact fucking same claims that are leveled against early Christians, right? Orgies, incest, child murder, and cannibalism. All of these were leveled by the pagans against the early Christians. And now these Christians blissfully unaware of their own history, are leveling them against these imaginary witches. Tables turn, motherfuckers! <laughs> it is at the Sabbat that the devil grants his witches their incubus for females or succubus for males. Uh, these demons provide all kinds of sexual favors for their masters, and they never get tired. They often travel around in the form of a small animal like a cat. And that's why cats are called pussy. Exactly. That's where that comes from. <laughs> I want to read to you because we have copious documentation of these sort. Because of the malleus, the notary is supposed to sit there while the lady's being tortured. And notice all of these are in the feminine, by the way. It's always she answered or take her to torture, never him or he. Uh, But we have all these descriptions of it. So because of this malleus, let me read uh, some of these um, actual uh, descriptions of torture. The torturer made her sit on the rack, undressed her, and applied the thumbscrews. When the thumbscrews were applied to her toes, she cried out louder than before. The Inquisitor inserted the mouth pair and demanded that she confess. When it was removed, she told her story. Ten years ago, it happened that the devil came to her in the guise of a man. First they danced, then they dined, then she and others knelt before the goat and kissed him. Here she named eight neighbors. Oh, shit. <laughs> you imagine? You're just fucking... Of course you're going to name a bunch of people. Right. And so one of your neighbors is like, fuck, now I'm going to be tortured. Uh, court records from the trial of Suzanne Godry, 1652. The prisoner, before being strapped down, was admonished to maintain herself in her first confessions and to renounce her lover, which of course is Satan. Said that she denies everything that she has said and she has no lover. Feeling herself being strapped down, says she is not a witch while struggling to cry. Asked why she fled outside the village of Ryu. Says that she cannot say it, that God and the Virgin Mary forbid her to, and that she is not a witch. And upon being asked why she confessed to being one, said that she was forced to say it. Told her she was not forced. That on the contrary, she declared herself to be a witch without any threat. Now, they'll say stuff like this. This is a common thing. They will say, confessed uh, to being a witch without torture. But they don't consider some of these engines of torture, torture. Just like, you know, the Bush administration didn't consider waterboarding torture, right? They waterboarded these witches. They strapped her down and poured water on them. This was a uh, one of these elements of torture. Uh, they'd sit the lady down, strap her legs down in front of a chair, and apply pressure with like a wood clamp against the shins. That they did not consider torture. So if she confessed under uh, the pain of that, they'd say that she confessed without torture. Anyway, it continues. Uh, it says she, she confessed it and she is not a witch, and being a little stretched on the rack, screams ceaselessly that she is not a witch, invoking the name of Jesus and Our Lady of Grace. 
not wanting to say any other thing. Asked if she did not confess that she has been a witch for 26 years. Says that she said it and that she retracted it, crying, Jesus Maria, that she is not a witch. Asked if she did not make Philippe Corny's horse die as she confessed. Answers no, crying, Jesus Maria, that she is not a witch. The mark having been probed by the officer. Um, can you imagine anyone with a fucking birthmark being a suspicion right. for this? So the mark having been probed by the officer in the presence of Dr. Bouchain, it was adjudged by the doctor and officer truly to be the mark of the devil. Being more tightly stretched upon the torture rack, urged to maintain her confessions, said that it was true and that she was a witch and that she would maintain what she had said. Asked how long she had been uh, subjugation to the devil, answers that it was 20 years ago the devil appeared to her, being in her lodgings in the form of a man dressed in little cowhide and, and black breeches, interrogated her is what her lover was called. Oh, my God. Says that she said Petit Grignon, then being taken down from the rack, says upon interrogation, she is not a witch and she can say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Verdict, July 9th, 1652. In light of interrogations, answers, interroga investigations made to the charge against Suzanne Godry, coupled with her confessions, from which it would appear that she has always been reputed for being stained with the crime of witchcraft, uh, seeing that she took flight and sought refuge in this city of uh, Valenciennes out of fear of being apprehended by the law for this matter. Yeah, no shit. Seeing how her close family, her, I think her aunt was also uh, executed as a witch. And the perpetrators uh, executed, seeing by her own confession that she uh, is said to have made a pact with the devil, received the mark from him, which in the report of Sir Michael de Rue was judged by the medical doctor and officer um, after having proved it to not be a natural mark, but a mark of the devil, to which they have sworn an oath. And following with this, she'd renounce God, Lent, and baptism, and let, let herself be carnally known by him, in which she receives satisfaction. Oh, that's the worst part about that's it, I guess. That's right. Was that's the biggest crime. Also seeing that she is said to have been part of a nocturnal carols and dances, for expiation of which the advice of the undersigned is that the office of Ryu can legitimately condemn the aforesaid Suzanne Godry to death, tying her to a gallows, strangling her to death, then burying her body and burying it there in the environs of the woods. So if you... Um, had mercy upon this poor woman, you would strangle her to death instead of burn her alive. That was pretty oh, rarely, rarely done. Yeah. How nice. I'm seeing a little bit of uh, kind of like the hunting down of paganism in here too, seems like. Yeah. yeah. Let's go to uh, Bamberg in 1628. We have two surviving accounts from two letters from accused witches. One uh, letter is from Johannes uh, Junius, a male accused of witchcraft. Um, and I'm going to go over the, the court records uh, from him. And then he actually wrote a letter to his daughter that survives and was actually kept in with the court records. So, um, trial of Johannes Junius Bamberg, 1628. On Friday, June 30th, 1628, the aforesaid Junius was again, without torture, exhorted to confess, but again confessed nothing. Whereupon, since he would confess nothing, he was put to the torture. And first, the thumbscrews were applied. Says he has that never... Makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not confess, eh? Well, we'll apply the thumbscrews. Says he has <laughs> never denied God his savior, nor suffered himself to be otherwise baptized, will again stake his life on it, feels no pain in the thumb screws. Leg screws. Will confess absolutely nothing, knows nothing about it. He has never renounced God, will never do such a thing, has never been guilty of this vice, feels likewise no pain. They let him go, right? I'm thinking. No. Then he is stripped and examined. On his right side is found a bluish mark, like a clover leaf. Is thrice pricked therein, but feels no pain and no blood flows out. Strapado. Do you know what strapado is? I'm going to think some sort of uh, a leather whipping strap. 
Close. They are bound in leather with their wrists behind their back, and a rope is connected to the leather binds. Oh, and they're lifted up. or They're lifted up so that um, they're hung by their internally rotated shoulders. Now, if that doesn't, and that's excruciatingly painful. If that isn't painful enough, what they'll do next is they'll attach a weight to the legs. If that isn't painful enough, they'll ratchet the rope up and then let him drop a few feet and then stop suddenly. Oh, God. The end result of this is going to be uh, dislocation of your shoulder. By yeah, which then, Right. You're going to tear all the ligaments, the capsule. You're going to dislocate the shoulder, uh, by which you'll be hanging from a dislocated set of shoulders. Strapato. He has never renounced God. God will not forsake him. If he were such a wretch, he would not let, let himself be so tortured. God must show some token of his innocence. He knows nothing about witchcraft. On July 5th, the above-named Junius is without torture, but with urgent persuasions, exhorted to confess, and at last begins and confesses. So This, this has been used uh, – there's a movie called Goya's Ghost, which is uh, about a family whose daughter has been imprisoned for uh, witchcraft, and uh, they're a rich family. The father's trying to get him out. He invites like one of the inquisitors, one of the – or priests over, and they, uh, and they do they do this strapado. They hang him to, to, to show him that like, hey – you know, you can confess under torture because their point, their position are always like, you know, if you're not, if you're innocent, God would not let this happen. Right. And they, they uh, often see it as, as their duty. Just the accusation of witchcraft means that they are set up against Satan and they will not allow Satan to win and get away with it. And so it's their divine duty to get these guys to confess. Or yeah, ladies, God, these women. God wouldn't allow the innocent to be of course not <laughs> of course not even accused um, so we have a uh, letter from him to his daughter that survives and was packaged up many hundred thousand good nights dearly beloved daughter Veronica innocent have I come to prison innocent have I been tortured innocent must I die for whoever comes into the witch prison must become a witch or be tortured until he invents something out of his head and God pity him bethinks him of something now, my dear child, see in what hazard I stood and that still stand. I must say that I am a witch, though I am not. Must now renounce God, though I have never done it before. Day and night I was deeply troubled, but at last there came to me a new idea. I would not be anxious, but since I had been given no priest with whom I could take counsel, I would myself think of something and say it. It were surely better that I just say it with my mouth and words, even though I had not really done it. And afterwards I would confess it to the priest and let those answer for it who compel me to do it. And so I made my confession as follows, but it was all a lie. Uh, he was burned at the stake for witchcraft. And how did he get that letter out? I don't know if the daughter um, brought it afterwards. Um, he, he, in the text of the letter, argues you know, not to bring it forward because they will uh, then execute the jailer who he had to bribe in order uh, to yeah. through. Um, but maybe she brought it afterwards and they just put it together with the papers. Uh, this also, by the way, was a business. Uh, they charged, because of the rise of capitalism, they charged you for your arrest. They charged you for your trial. They charged you for your torture. And they charge you for the execution. So uh, some people thinking, you know, when they were being tortured and they name uh, witches, they, they thought they'd name people who were dead. 
Well, what happened when they were dead? It was a disaster for the family anyway because they would they'd raise up the bones, burn it symbolically, and then they would take the possessions of the deceased. And so they'd make all the people homeless. So in addition to you being tortured, you, you had the uh, pleasure of, of paying for them to torture you. So the other only other uh, letter from a suspected witch that survives was re- written by Rebecca Lemp or Rebecca Lamp in 1590. It says, Oh, husband, they uh, take me from thee by force. How can God suffer it? My heart is nearly broken. Alas, alas, my poor dear children orphaned. Husband, send me something that I might die, or I must expire under torture. If thou canst not today, do it tomorrow. Write to me directly, R.L. So send me some poison or something? <laughs> yeah, send me some poison. So those, the only two survive, surviving thing from witches basically say, I'm not a witch, I've never been a witch. They're torturing me, and eventually I'm going to admit it and uh, put the end to my pain. The, the thought was that torture, kind of like in ancient times, uh, purified the soul, basically, and made you tell the truth. In modern times, we tend to think that you just torture someone until they say whatever you want. Well, confession, Chuck. I think that's one of those uh, confession one of those options. There you go. <laughs> it's another another means of confession. Um, so right. finally, what happened at the execution of witches? This was a huge party. The witch was marched out in a procession. So this would be led by the most prominent people in the community, and it was ranked. So you'd go from like the mayor of the community, and then the next most prominent person, and on down the line. It was a, this parade up until the the gallows or the. Um, so in England, they hanged people, and by the way, in England, they they were not allowed to torture. They still killed witches. They still got them to confess, but in England, they weren't uh, allowed to torture. In England, they would hang them. In the continent, in Europe, they uh, would burn them at the stake. So there's a long procession. They'd march people out. Everybody in the village would be there. It was it was like, you know, the gladiatorial arena or whatever, this huge spectacle. Um, there were certain uh, medieval societies who would fine their members if they weren't present. It was seen as like a civic duty. Can you imagine not going to the huge party of witch execution and what people would say? Yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah, you're a witch. That's the only reason you're not there. Yay, burn the witch, yay. So the victim then would publicly confess her sins and ask for the forgiveness of the village, and then she'd be burned at the stake. So uh, I think we've brought kind of all the way to the end of the witch craze, which I believe moved from off the end of the continent in Europe to the New World in Salem, Massachusetts. And I believe you've done a lot of research on Salem. That's right. When so Matt, uh, stop being cool and huh? What the instigation? <laughs> the instigation of our fans. I will shut up now and allow you to speak. Okay, Chuck. As you know, like uh, when things start being cool in Europe, we immediately take it up over here. <laughs> yes, yes. We're always one step behind the the cool fashion. Right. So about it was about 1682, and you get the uh, pretty much the last witch ever executed in England. It was a uh, Temperance Lloyd. So immediately, 10 years later, uh, in the town of Salem, you get 19 men and women, all having been accused of witchcraft and convicted of witchcraft, carted off to Gallows Hill, which is a barren slope near Salem Village, for hanging. Um, There was also a man that was uh, over 80 years old. He was pressed to death under heavy stones for refusing to submit to a trial on witchcraft charges. Did he confess? 
Uh, no, he just uh, re- he refused to. Oh my operate. God! I cannot imagine being pressed underneath a rock until you die and not <laughs> confessing. Jesus. Well, you know, we'll find out. But sometimes it doesn't matter what you do; they just, you know, you're you're doomed once once the right. accusation comes through. Right. It's very, very, very rare unless you have a shit ton of money that you will ever escape the gallows or the the stake. So this is a long story, but in 1688, John Putnam, who's one of the elders of Salem Village, he invited Samuel Paris, a uh, planter merchant from Barbados to preach in the village church. And uh, a year later, after negotiations over salary, Paris accepted a job as village minister, and he moved there with his wife, uh, Elizabeth, his six-year-old daughter, Betty, uh, his niece, Abigail Williams, and their Indian slave, Tatuba. And uh, so Salem became their new home. And now, now, there is a Salem village and a Salem town, right? Yeah, this is Salem Village. Salem Village, I believe, is the more rural of the two. I actually didn't even know about Salem Town. I thought there was a Salem Village. And I think Salem Town – so Salem Village is rural kind of surrounding suburbs and uh, Salem Town. And this uh, stuff happened in Salem Village, of course, the more rural, right? Not the more urban place. Yeah, as usual. I think there was some some confusion about people in Salem Village and Salem Town. Oh, okay. Yeah, Salem Village um, was the location of the ministry of Samuel Paris, and it, yeah, it was a farming area on the northern yep. edge of Salem Town. Okay. Yep. So, yes. Thank you, Chuck. <laughs> My pleasure. So when I say Salem, I mean Salem Village. The redneck Salem. Right. So Salem Village, the new home of the Parises, was uh, in the midst of change. You were getting a mercantile elite that was beginning to develop. Uh, people were becoming less willing to assume positions as town leaders. You had two clans, the Putnams and the Porters, who were competing for control of the village and its pulpit because you need that, of course, Chuck. Of course. But in the midst of all this change, uh, were people's penises shrinking? Um, they were about to. Penis <laughs> <laughs> shrinking. Off. Was approaching quickly and nobody saw it coming. So it all started uh, in February. You had a really cold winter, uh, the winter of 1692, and Betty Paris became strangely ill. She she dashed about. She dove under furniture. She was contorted in pain. She complained of fever. She was a willful child, it sounds like. There's there's a couple explanations of what her problem was. Um, some people say you know it's a combination of stress or asthma. Uh, maybe guilt or boredom, um, child abuse, possible epilepsy or delusional psychosis. Um, there's one idea that it's caused by ingesting ergot. It's a fungus which evades developing kernels of rye and um, has uh, symptoms similar to uh, LSD, of which it is a derivative. <laughs> so fun for there. However, her. yeah, they had another theory to explain her systems. Uh, Cotton Mather had recently published a book, Memorable Providences, describing suspected witchcraft of an Irish washerwoman in Boston, and her behaviors was somewhat uh, similar to that. And it was easy to believe that, you know, in Salem Village in 1692, that the devil, you know, was close at hand and sudden and violent death occupied everybody's mind. They were afraid, Chuck. Yeah, you know, I will take the supernatural explanation over the natural explanation. Every time. Yeah. 
So you get you get talk of witchcraft uh, increasing, and suddenly when other playmates of this girl, uh, including uh, 11-year-old Ann Putnam and 17-year-old Mercy Lewis and Mary Walcott, they begin to exhibit similar unusual behavior. A doctor is called to examine them and suggested their girl's problems might have a supernatural origin. Yeah, let me like guess. Doctors do. <laughs> I can't cure her, so therefore it's witchcraft. I don't know. I can cure every natural disease, so this must be supernatural. Right. So a neighbor, Mary Sibley, proposed a form of counter magic. She told a tuba to bake a rye cake with the urine of the afflicted victim and feed the cake to a dog. Why didn't the doctor prescribe this? Incompetence. The doctor doesn't know any... He can only prescribe witchcraft. He cannot <laughs> counter witchcraft. He should be tried for malpractice. Of course you bake a rye cake with the urine of the afflicted victim and feed that cake to a dog. Dogs? Just common sense. The dogs were used by witches to carry out their devilish commands, Chuck. Um, <laughs> Is it any dog? <laughs> Just some random dog here. Eat this. Dog in the street. Um, so she told Tatuba to make this. So, of course, suspicion begins to focus on Tatuba, who's probably also not white and foreign. And yeah, also right. Pe- She's from, like, the Caribbean, right? And so there's, there's um, voodoo. what it is. Voodoo. Yeah, right. voodoo. Yeah. So, and her petition, her participation in the whole urine cake episode made her even more obvious. Yeah, that was probably a bad move on her part. Right. Uh, they do this, but the, make the urine cake, feed it to a dog. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> Give me some urine. <laughs> so the number of girls afflicted continued to grow. You know, this is like, uh, what do they call it? Like, a, it's a kind of hysteria, you know? Everybody right. starts getting in on the act. Right. Um, Ann Putnam, Elizabeth Hubbard, Susanna Sheldon, Mary Warden. They basically turn themselves into a little circle of friends, or from a circle of friends, into like a gang of juvenile delinquents. And uh, many people that time, you won't believe this, they complained that young people lacked piety and a sense of purpose of the founder's generation. You know those kids today, Chuck? They're witchcraft and no sense of purpose. No piety. They contorted into grotesque poses. They fell down into frozen postures and complained of biting and pinching sensations. And in a place where everyone believed the devil is real, this is totally – Of course, it's witchcraft. Know, exactly. So sometime after February 25th, when Tatuba baked the witch cake, the urine cake, fed it to the dog. And February 29th, when arrest warrants were issued against Tatuba and two other women, Betty Paris and Abigail Williams – Abigail Williams named their afflictors, and that's when the witch hunt pretty much began. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, so the hunt is on. The hunt is on. Soon Ann Putnam and Mercy Lewis, they also reported seeing witches flying through the winter mist. Mm-hmm. And the prominent Putnam family supported the girls' accusations, and they put some uh, considerable impetus behind the prosecutions. Yep. Guess who the first three – guess who the first one – to be accused of. We well, let, me, let me guess. Tatuba and two old women. Tatuba is a good choice. It's the obvious choice. And the old women, of course, were Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne. Uh, Good was a beggar and social misfit. Yep, there you go. This is funny, too, because they're, um, they're poor, but they're not like – the most poor. They're, these are people who have like maybe they're divorced or their husband more 
more often died, left them without any means of support. And so they're kind of in a shack at the edge of town. You know, like when you were growing up and there's some lady down the neighborhood where your parents right. did you know, lots of cats. You know? Yes, that's that's this lady here. Oh, you know how many witches I know around this neighborhood? <laughs> <laughs> there's a few. Yeah, weird people. You know, this kind of brings back to one of the uh, the older functions of witchcraft in uh, the anthropological sense in which it kind of uh, maintains a social order. So people that don't fall within the norms of society get pointed out and executed. Right. Right. And then if you – you don't want to act like them, of course, so you – <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help too that during this time that the church is really concerned about uh, locking down orthodoxy because of the Reformation, right? Stuff that 200 years ago they wouldn't even care about. These people in rural villages who may still be quasi worshiping some of the old pagan deities now, now they're fucking witches. You got to crack down on them. All right. So the Putnams they brought their complaint against the three women to the county magistrates. And um, they scheduled examinations for the suspected witches in tab- Ingersoll's Tavern. So hundreds showed up and uh, to see this, of course, because you don't want to be an outlier, right? Um, they moved the examination to a meeting house. And at the examinations, the girls described attacks by the specters of the three women. And um, then they pretty much went into their pattern of contortions and, and you know, doing their thing. Uh, when one of the suspects was in their presence. And uh, so other villagers, of course, come forward to offer their stories of cheese and butter gone bad. or Bingo! Animals, <laughs> yeah, animals born with deformities. Uh, one of the suspects comes came by and my, you know, goat had a second head, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, it happened. Witchcraft. So... The, mat- the magistrates would ask the same questions of each suspect. Are you witches? Have you seen Satan? Now, if you're not a witch, how do you explain these contortions? Because there could be no other explanations. Right. Absolutely. You know, basically the whole form of their questions indicated that they presumed them guilty and were just getting to that point. Yeah. Um, Which is, you know, completely unusual for trials of witchcraft. Right. <laughs> So, so, you know, they might – the matter might have ended with some admonishments except for Tatuba screwed it up. Um, first, she, she just adamant, adamantly denied any guilt. You know, she didn't want to be made a scapegoat. Uh, she claimed she was approached by a tall man from Boston, you know, big city, Boston. Uh, obviously, Satan, who sometimes appeared as a dog or a hog, and he asked her to sign his book and do his work. And so she declared she was a witch. And moreover, there was four other witches, including Good and Osborne. They had flown through the air on their poles. Uh, she tried to run to Reverend Paris for counsel, but the devil had blocked her path. Uh, kind of a mistake here, Tatuba. Uh, well, I tell you what probably happened, Matt, <clears throat> because she adamantly denied any guilt. No guilt, no guilt, no guilt. And then suddenly she flips over. What they probably did was they offered her her life. Um, yeah. And Tatuba was not executed. She was released. And then yeah. we, we lose her to history. She, I guess, leaves the town and she's gone. She was the only one out of any of these original people that uh, were not hanged. 
Oh, so she she took the smart way out. So they they probably <laughs> took early. her aside. You know, they've got to say, look, we've got the most evidence against you. You baked this witch cake, obviously. Um, so if you don't turn on uh, your friends and give us evidence, this is right out of the Malleus. If you give us evidence of other witches, then we can promise you your life. Well, they didn't follow the last two, or even the first. They didn't even imprison her for life. They released her. They probably just wanted to get rid of the witch out of their community. I don't know. But my nothing else really uh, makes any sense for her, you know, suddenly flipping after adamantly denying all the uh, – Right. Uh, and the fact that she wasn't executed. Right. Well, this set it off. Uh, things just started going nuts after this. Um, according to uh, the girls, the spectral forms of other women began afflicting them. Uh, Martha Corey, Rebecca Nurse, Sarah Cloyce, and – Mary Eastie were accused of witchcraft, and during a church service, Anne Putnam suddenly shouted, Look where good wife, good wife Cloyce sits on the beam, suckling her yellow bird between her fingers. Uh-oh, that's her uh, incubus. Right. <laughs> and uh, soon Anne's mother, Anne Putnam Sr., would join the accusers. Uh, Dorcas Good, the four-year-old daughter of Sarah Good, became Wait. the first child. Wait, her name was Dorcas? Oh, wasn't it? Did I have that right? <laughs> Probably. Yes. <laughs> Dor, you think it's Doris? What the that's, fuck? That's unfortunate. <laughs> you know what? If you're named Dorcas, it's better to be killed. <laughs> <laughs> they see. were bitten me... by the specter of Dorcas. Dorcas. <laughs> Dorothy, good. God damn! How'd that become Dorcas? <laughs> Dorothy. So Dorothy Good was the four-year-old daughter of Sarah Good. She became the first child to be accused of witchcraft uh, when three of the girls complained that they were bitten by the specter of Dorothy. Well, what do they have against a little four-year-old girl? Jesus, no kidding. Bitten by her ghost, basically, is what they're complaining of. She was arrested and kept in jail for eight, eight months. A four-year-old. Months. A fucking four-year-old. She watched her mother get carried off to the gallows and basically cry her heart out and go inside. She's, yeah, four-year-old girls. Yeah, I guess she would. Oh, God. Um, so these girls, their performances just keep you know, going up. They started pretending to be – well, I say pretended because that's what they were fucking doing. Uh, struck dumb. And uh, those stuck in jail with the damning testimony of the afflicted girls – uh, began to see confession as pretty much the only way to avoid the gallows. Like, you know, that's what you do. At least one person got away with it. Yeah. Um, so Deliverance Hobbs became the second witch to confess. She admitted to pinching three of the girls at the devil's command because that is what the devil is concerned about. Pinching. I command you. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Satan. Uh, the most evil thing I can think of right now is to go and pinch three and girls. And she flew on a pole to attend a witch's Sabbath in an open field. So I, I got to look up this pole thing. <laughs> pole became broom. What kind of – the May pole you think this came from? I, I think no idea. there are processions on May Day where you have a, like a maple pole and you hop up and down on it. And I guess it's just some ritual for May Day. Uh, and I think that's probably while they're Christianizing Europe – they probably cracked down on this stuff, and it fed right into the witches because of the phallic implications of you jumping up and down on a wooden pole. Obviously, it's sexual, so clearly they're witches. Right. Flying the pole. Keep them off the pole is what he was trying to do. Right. Um, 
<laughs> so jails were full, and the colony, the colony, um, <laughs> of course, because they rolled over on all their neighbors, and the neighbors rolled over <laughs> on everybody else, and fucking jails are just filled to capacity. Oh my god! So the whole place is on the brink of chaos when uh, government governor Phipps returned from England, and he decided fast action was needed. So he created a new court, and I had to look this up to make sure it wasn't fake. But it was the court of, and I'll, I'm going to pronounce this wrong: Oyer and Terminer. The hell does that Oyer. mean? <laughs> Terminer. I don't know. Um, but that was it's it's some legalese. But to hear the witchcraft case, so there are five judges, uh, including three close friends of Cotton Mather, were appointed to the court. The chief justice was a gung-ho witch hunter named William Stoughton. And uh, Mather urged Stoughton and the other judges to credit confessions and admit spectral evidence. <laughs> okay? Testimony by people that they had been visited by the suspect's specter. Right. Which is like the right. definition of hearsay. <laughs> it's, like, it's like one step removed from hearsay. So who did the judges look to guidance for? They looked to the ministers who had, you know, no legal training on matters pertaining to witchcraft. So Mather's advice was heeded. The judge also decided to allow uh, the so-called touching test where defendants were asked to touch afflicted people to see if their touch, as was generally assumed of the touch of witches, would stop their contortions. Oh, my God. (laughs) I wonder what happened with that. The infallible Um, touching test. Right. They uh, they had examination of the bodies for accused of the accused for evidence of witches marks, and we've we've uh, mentioned that before. Moles or little you know third nipples. marks of yeah third nipples, which is familiar might suck at, and all the stuff that would be excluded from a modern courtroom like hearsay, gossip, uh, you know, assertions, surmises, stories. was just generally stories, stories from Bullshit. imaginary friends. <laughs> uh, was pretty much admitted testimony from Casper. Yeah, so they had no protections that we get in modern courtrooms. They had no legal counsel. They could not have witnesses testify under oath on their behalf. And who would want to? Exactly. Jesus. No avenue of appeal. Um, They could speak for themselves, though, and produce evidence and cross-examine their accusers. Because the uh, women of the time were so educated in the the law and legalese. Right. I'm sure they were all like legally acute yeah, enough to just exactly. stand up and defend this bullshit like crap, you know. Oh, so the first accused witch to be brought to trial was Bridget Bishop. She was, uh, you're going to love this, 60 years old and an owner of a tavern where patrons would drink cider ale and play shuffleboard even on the Sabbath, Chuck. Oh, my God. But here's the bad part. She was critical of her neighbors and reluctant to pay her bills. Well, burn her. Yeah. So Thomas Newton, special prosecutor, selected Bishop for his first prosecution, probably suggested he believed the stronger case could be made against her than any other uh, witches. Sure, because she's an old woman, she's cranky, people don't like her, and uh, she owns a tavern? Oh, my God. Yeah. Illicit. Not wholesome. At her trial, uh, a field hand testified that he saw Bishop's image stealing eggs and then saw her transform herself into a cat. (laughs) Guilty. I saw her stealing eggs, and then she turned into a cat. You know, I always thought that that's uh, that part of the Monty Python quest for the Holy Grail. Like she turned me into a newt. You know, that's that's basically what people are saying. It is. It is. The proper response is get off the stand, you fucking idiot. Uh, instead, hmm, yes, that seems totally reasonable. Yes, a cat, you say. Oh my god. <laughs> 
So Deliverance Hobbs, who is uh, most likely insane by that point, and Mary Warren, both confessed witches, testified that Bishop was one of them. And a villager named Samuel Gray told the court that Bishop visited his bed at night and tormented him. <laughs> yep. But she was an old woman, kind of. She wasn't like a young, hot woman. She was like an old, yucky woman. She's got nothing better to do than to sit by the guy's bed at night, poking <laughs> him with a stick. <laughs> Wake up! Oh, my God. Uh, a jury of matrons assigned to examine Bishop's body reported that they found an excrescence of flesh. Yes. Which you will explain. Yes. I don't know what excrescence That's called a wart. Oh. Gas. Like an, an excrescence? That's a wart. Interesting. And just like heaped up um, flesh, basically. Several afflicted girls testified that Bishop Specter afflicted them. Of course. Of course. She, they, the Specter turned into a cat, then back to a human, turned into a cat, then back to a human. Pisses people And then off. went around, yeah, afflicting people. Other villagers described why they thought she was responsible for various bits of bad luck. Yeah. There was testimony that she was – that while being transported under guard past the Salem meeting house, she looked at the building and caused a part of it to fall to the ground. This is funny because you'd think that if she actually was a witch, these fuckers would be in serious trouble if they're uh, after her and they're, they're going to execute her. Um, but part of the, the malleus maleficarum is that you end up making the witch powerless when you bind her, right? So she's, she's powerless. But yet still, they <laughs> cause pieces of houses to fall down. Any bad shit that happens is attributed to witchcraft, right? Any, any thing that might get her off uh, is attributed to a trick of the devil. It's awesome. Oh, so let me yeah. guess. She was uh, found innocent. And uh, released with an apology from the city. That's right. Everybody would said, this is the most fucking bullshit I've ever seen. God, sorry for and, our I, bout of irrationality. So Nathaniel Saltonstall was one of the judges. He was aghast at the conduct of the trial. He resigned from the court, Chuck. Wow. And everyone else followed. No, um, Chief <laughs> Justice Stoughton, he signed her death warrant. And on June 10th, 1692, Bishop was carted to Gallows Hill and hanged. Till she was dead. Right. She's not burned at the stake because we're an English colony and England did not allow burning at the stake. So England always hanged their witches. Yeah, no Salem witches were burned. Case closed. Case closed. Next. Rebecca Nurse was a pious, respected woman whose specter, according to Anne Putnam Jr. and Abigail Williams, attacked them in March of 1692. Uh, Anne Putnam Sr. added her complaint that Nurse demanded that she sign the devil's book, then pinched her. Of, again, Man, of Devil course. is awfully grabby. Always awfully pitching. grabby. Uh, nurse was one of the three town sisters all identified as witches who were members of a Topsfield family that had a long-standing quarrel with the Putnam family. And apart from the evidence of Putnam family members, the major piece of evidence against Nurse was a testimony indicating that soon after Nurse lectured Benjamin Holton for allowing his pig to root in her garden – that means exactly what it says. Don't get dirty. Uh, Holton died. <laughs> yes. He died because of her pig. That was a witch's lecture. That's right. Uh, the jury returned a verdict of not guilty. Woo, the system works. Holy shit. Well, um, she probably was younger, and uh, yeah, she was pious. See, pious and respected. That helps. Yeah, so the, so the, the court said, you know, justice has run its course. So therefore, go back and consider again a statement of nurses that might be considered a mission of guilt. That's what Chief Justice Don said. No, that's go back and do it again. Oh, and so they reconvened this thing. They came back with a verdict of guilty. Ah, uh, yes, because they want to get home, right? 
If you're going to keep sending us back if we return a verdict of not guilty, shit, let's just go ahead. Guilty. I got I got dinner on the stove. Yeah, you remember we've, we've said like nobody's going to come to people's defense because you might get accused of witchcraft yourself right. or, or speak up and say, oh, this is crazy. Uh, so John Proctor, uh, who was a central failure in uh, Arthur Miller's fictionized account of the Salem witch hunt? The Crucible. The Crucible. You um, yeah, so he was an opinionated tavernor who openly – denounced the witch hunt. And of course, he was put on trial. Testifying against Proctor were Anne Putnam, Abigail Williams, Indian John. He was a slave of Samuel Paris, uh, who worked in a competing tavern. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's credible testimony. And 18-year-old Elizabeth Booth, who testified that ghosts had come to her and accused Proctor of serial murder. Ghosts came to her and told her Well, she's a witch! She's a witch, right. He fought back. He accused the confessor's uh, or the witch, sorry, the confessed witches of lying, complaining of torture, and demanding his trial be moved to Boston. But uh, instead, they hung him. Yes. Yeah. The evidence was clear in this case. His wife was also convicted of witchcraft, but she was spared execution because she was pregnant. Pregnant with the devil's child. That's right. When he's born, I'm sure they killed them both. <laughs> <laughs> when he was born and had hooves, it was all over. Uh, so then the... Um, I think one of the big problems there was the execution of the the uh, village's ex-minister, George Burroughs. Um, he was living in Maine in 1692, but was identified by several of the accusers as the ringleader of the witches, some sort of wizard or warlock, maybe. <laughs> uh, he, Anne Putnam claimed he bewitched soldiers during a failed military campaign, uh, the first of a string of military disasters that could be blamed on an Indian devil alliance. Damn those Indian Satanists. Yeah, he got a, there was a large number of accusations against him and his linkage to the frontier war, and some say that's the key to understanding the Salem trials. Uh, one author contends that the enthusiasm of the Salem court in prosecuting witchcraft cases uh, was owed in no small measure to the judge's desire to shift uh, blame for their own inadequate defense of the frontier. And uh, many of those judges in the witchcraft trials played lead roles in the war effort that had been very unsuccessful. I see. So they're embarrassed that uh, their war efforts were shitty. Yeah. And so they kind of wanted to transfer blame. Sore losers. It couldn't be me. It was, what Must have been Satan. Must have been Satan. Witches. Hitler. Oh. So wait. among his accusers uh, was 19-year-old Mercy Lewis. Uh, she was one of the most imaginable of the young accusers, and she offered some really great vivid testimony against him. She told the court that Burroughs flew her to the top of a mountain and pointing towards the surrounding land, promised her all the kingdom if only she would sign in his book. Now, where, Just like Jesus. Where have I heard that before? Just like Jesus. Is that what Satan did when he took him out in the wilderness and tempted him? Yeah. He showed him the four corners of the earth, proving the earth was flat, by the way. Oh, my God. She said, um, I would not writ if he had thrown me down on 100 pitchforks. So, oh, sign the fucking book. Come on. <laughs> you get all the kingdom. So Burroughs was on Gallows Hill, and he continued to insist on his innocence, and he recited the Lord's Prayer perfectly, something which witches cannot do and are thought incapable of doing anyway. And the crowd was, was moved, they were like, but uh, Cotton Mather decided to intervene and remind the crowd that Burroughs had his day in court, and he lost. He lost fair and square, people. Hey, here's He's something that might prove me innocent. No, 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 no. Oh, no. Trial's over, fucker. Um, and then one of the – I mean, not that hanging is a uh, particularly pleasant, but perhaps it's quick. I don't know. It always looks like it's quick in the movies. 
Um, so Burroughs, Burroughs was hanged, huh? Burroughs was hanged. And then and they were probably they're probably distressed because he was a man. Right. What have we? My God, they Wait said. a second. <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> the second man. Well, the first one was speaking out. So. <laughs> no, but one guy was not hanged. He was pressed under stones until he died, which sounds horrible. I, I don't think I could have. I don't. I think I would have squealed. Right. I would have. I would have uh, named everyone in the town, and uh, confessed to being a witch long before I was pressed to death. He was a. Uh, he was an eighty-year-old man. His name was Giles or Giles Corey. Uh, he spent five months in jail with his wife, who was also accused, and he had nothing but contempt for the whole proceedings. Well, good for you. So um, he refused to stand trial, though. That's why he was pressed to death. Because the penalty for refusing is pressing. Isn't that nice? Jesus Christ. Right. So he refuses to uh, stand trial and they fucking put a huge stone on him and slowly press him to death. And I, I think oh it was done – I've, I've seen this before. I think it was done with like they put you under um, like like a door essentially. I don't know. Like a wooden – like wooden planks and then they load up – they load it up with, uh, with stones. So it's not quick. It's not like they drop a stone on you and you're like dead. It's right. Like, no, it's a slow death. That's right. the point. Oh, ah. terrible. So three days after he died, uh, September 22nd, 1692, eight more witches, including his wife, were hanged. And that was the end. Those were the last victims. So in all, I think 19 people were uh, executed, died. 16 of them were female, three of them male. Yeah. I mean, but after a while, people began to kind of – even the dumbest people were coming around is what I'm saying. This is crazy. You get, you get tired, you know. Hanging witches is, is hard work. Right. You're going to burn out your whole town eventually. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. Um, anyway, so as people started coming to their uh, senses, Governor Phipps decided the order code to exclude spectral evidence and touching tests and to re- require proof of guilt by clear and convincing evidence after, yeah, 19 deaths. So after that, 28 of the last 33 witchcraft trials ended in acquittals. And uh, three convicted witches were later pardoned. And in May of 1693, Phipps released from prison all the remaining accused or convicted witches. Finally, Chuck. But we didn't mention this. Uh, Not only were 19 people executed, uh, four accused witches died in prison. The one man pressed to death. And two dogs were executed as suspected accomplices. Two dogs. They killed the dogs? They killed the dogs. They were probably succubi. Yeah. Oh, God. So it was just a big shithole for a while. They began a period of atonement following the release of the uh, surviving accused witches. Samuel Sewell was one of the judges. He issued a public confession of guilt and an apology. Uh, Several jurors came forward to say that they were sadly deluded and mistaken in their judgments. Reverend Samuel Paris considered errors of judgment, but mostly he shifted blame to errors. He was replaced as the minister of Salem Village by Thomas Green, who uh, pretty much devoted his career to kind of get everybody back together. Hey, everybody, I know we all hate each other and did that whole witch thing, but let's just put that behind us. (laughs) (laughs) He had a great job. I love how they just apologize. Hey, sorry. Sorry we pressed an 80-year-old man to death. Sorry we hanged all these innocent fucking people. And the dogs. And the dogs. And the dogs. My bad. Oh, so That's on me, folks. Sorry. Governor Phipps blamed it mostly on uh, William Staunton, and, um, but he refused to apologize or explain himself. And as we all know, no good deed goes unpunished, right? 
he became the next governor of Massachusetts. <laughs> yes, good call. Well, Chuck, that's the story of the Salem witchcraft trials. And I'm sticking to it. I'm <laughs> sticking to it. And that's uh, where it ended. Um, fortunately, no one else in the entire world has ever been accused of witchcraft or executed. Right. Thank God we learned our lesson. We all came to our senses. <laughs> uh, there are modern cases of witchcraft. I've been sent many emails. I refuse to believe it. No, it's, it, can't, it can't happen. Hey, wait. It cannot happen. Wait, where's my penis? Shit. What the f- Curse you, witches! Uh, no problem, Matt. I got a bird's nest right here. <laughs> well, I'll just pick... Plenty of them. I'm just going to pick this one. You can't take that one. <laughs> oh. No. That's the friars. But it's the biggest. Of course he reaches for the biggest dick in the bird's <laughs> nest. Hey, I'll take that one. Um, yeah, so, uh, right. Uh, you know, I'd like to say that... Uh, this uh, idiocy. You know, what What put an end to uh, witchcraft? The, mostly what put an end to it was that, you know, the, it seemed to peak with the uh, wars of the Reformation, right? Right. So uh, it pretty much ends in the, in the middle of the 1600s, uh, began in the beginning of the 1500s, the big, the burning times. Um, but what else was happening in there? You have uh, the scientific revolution beginning... Uh, probably in the uh, 1500s, maybe 1550s. The Enlightenment. And the Enlightenment in the middle of the 1600s. Yeah. Uh, they were among the most vocal critics of uh, these witchcraft trials and the lack of evidence and, uh, the you know, the, the terrible tests. They, they actually did throw witches into rivers. If they floated, they were a witch. And if they sank, they weren't. So if they drowned... <laughs> They were innocent. Right. You know Thank what else God. floats in water? <laughs> <laughs> a duck. So, <laughs> so um, you know, Christians will try to spin this. I don't know even how they spin this. I mean, it's an absolute uh, indictment of this uh, idea that we are supposed to just believe in uh, our authorities and in imaginary beings and, and just accept shit without evidence. Where does that lead? To the death of probably eighty to 100,000 mostly women. That's where it leads. And uh, you can uh, prevent this by a little bit of rationality and a little bit of attention to evidence. Reason, rationality, empirical evidence... All the antidote for this uh, ridiculous, religiously motivated hysteria. I mean, if you believe in an old man who lives in the fucking clouds, who loves you, but yet at the same time, you know, burn you in hell if you cross him, uh, you really you believe in anything. People can make you believe in anything. They make you do anything. Uh, if you demand rigorous evidence and uh, carefully reasoned logic and arguments, you can... Head this shit off at the past. Yeah, education, and you can still see this happening today with you know all the sneaky attempts to put you know creationism and state legislature bills and and because they're afraid you know the guys who still around today that you know they don't understand evolution or go boring or whatever you got they're still afraid of the education is going to ruin it for them and it will. Right, that's the the true fear that they have is reality. They're afraid that their kids are going to be taught reality. Yeah. You know, I got bad news for you. Reality is reality. It ain't going to change. There are no witches. <laughs> There's no such <laughs> thing. 
Don't you know? You know, do you think Jesus, if he was really God, could have prevented this whole thing by saying, Psst, hey, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they're no witches. <laughs> no, yeah, but there's then, no fucking such thing as witches. But then they would never have learned for themselves, Chuck. <laughs> Well, it was worth those 100,000 deaths. <laughs> Guess what? It turns out there are no such thing as witches. God always, he always <laughs> has a plan. Whoops. <laughs> Sorry. Well. All right. Like um, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, to people who think, you know, oh, we've progressed so far and uh, we're so smug in, in our knowledge. We don't believe in shit like witches and spectral testimony. Uh, this shit, we, the, the clock can turn back frighteningly quick you know we are probably hair's breadth away from being the same idiots as uh, these people in the middle ages all you need is for us to give up an emphasis on logic and reason and, and evidence and remove some of these protections that we have for accused criminals uh, it, you know a couple steps backward you allow these religious uh, right-wing lunatics to take over and we're right back there in Salem, Massachusetts, under the tyranny of uh, Cotton Mather and a bunch of religious morons. Vigilance. Uh, I think we're 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 closer. Yeah, right. The price of the price of freedom. So go forth, minions! All three of you <laughs> is a buck oh five. And fight. What's a buck oh five? Huh? Freedom isn't free. Oh, it's a buck oh five. I was just in the middle of a spiel about sending everyone forth, and you ruined it. Damn it. Go ahead. <laughs> Go forth, minions. <laughs> and do something. Shit, yeah, motherfuckers. Go kill some witches. Give me back my dick, witches. <laughs> <laughs> Selfie, 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 selfie.